New week, new challenge, and this one looks, at least on paper anyway, even bigger than last week. Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. Danny Sarek joins me. The 49ers may be the best team in football. Of course, we said that about the Cowboys a week ago. They are good on offense. They are good on defense. Offensively, though, the 49ers have playmakers across the board. But before we look ahead, we need to look back. Danny deserves her moment. It's Cardinals Cover 2, Episode 678, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2. Buda Baker, what heart, what threat. This guy's unbelievable. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. He's at the 10, at the 5, he's in again! Some more Murray magic! Wow! Here's Craig Grealou. Typically by Wednesday, we're ready to turn the page on the previous week. Not this week. Not when you, and by you, I mean you, Danny, beat the Dallas Cowboys. So congratulations. I think Danny deserves a round of applause. Thanks. It was hard work. (laughs) 2-0 now, right? Undefeated, just like Kyler Murray. Danny Sarek, undefeated against the Dallas Cowboys. That's right. My former employer, uh, where my family resides, the hometown in Dallas. Uh, My first year, the 2021 season, January of 2022, we played in Dallas and won, and then won at home on Sunday. It was... A very great personal win on top of a team win. Now, did you rub it in a little bit to the family back home, friends? A li- yeah, like okay. in terms of like friends and cousins, yes. people who were texting me. But I will say props to my family. It was still pretty split. I think my siblings wore mostly Cowboys gear, my nephew obviously and Cardinals. But my dad was a big surprise. He was not split in his attire. He was just a Cardinals polo, like a polo. Like it was... A great surprise. I think either way, he still still would have been happy either way of like Cowboys win or Danny's team wins, right? Like win-win for him. Uh, but yes, for because everyone was asking what my family's going to wear. My dad, I thought, would be split in Cowboys and Cardinals gear, and he was full-on Cardinals. Shouldn't your family, though, support one another? And shouldn't your dad especially support his favorite child? Oh, that's a good point. No, I mean, they're still supporting regardless. But yes, yeah, so I think it was mostly like my siblings that were in, but that's whatever it's fine okay this really is not a surprise as much as we talked about it on sunday and monday and tuesday as well that you know this was something that was not anticipated no one picked the cardinals to beat the cowboys unless again you are danny because she did speak it into existence if you listened and were parts of the arizona cardinals nfl kickoff show that's right. I don't want to take credit that Cardinals win, but when I was talking to Josh Dobbs before my sideline exchange interview, we were catching up, and I told him I worked for the Cowboys before. He was asking where I was, and he goes, oh, so this is like a revenge game for you? And I said, eh, not really. I'm not playing. But, you know, if you can pull out a win, I would be really appreciative. And he laughed. So not going to take credit, but if the Cardinals win, I may or may not have had something to do with the that. The rallying cry inside the Cardinals locker room, win one for Danny. <laughs> See? That's great. What a great surprise. Thanks, guys. When I see Josh Dobbs next, I need to (laughs) personally thank him for coming through on that. You're uh, basically on a roll here because as an avid listener to Cardinals Underground, it was you that brought up, as now we do turn the page a little bit to this week, it was you that had to bring up special teams, not Paul Calvisi, not Darren Urban, but you brought up special teams. And wouldn't you know it, 
the next day, here on Wednesday, what did the NFL do? They announced that Matt Prater named NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Which, Again, round of applause for Dave. Thank you. Matt Prater also got love on Morning Scramble, our show Monday morning at 10 a.m. that live streams on YouTube breaking down the game. So, yeah, special teams, deservingly so. A 62-yard field goal. Yes. Incredible by Matt Prater. Just the fact that he can do that and the fact that he's been in the league so long and still has not just the power but everything that goes into it, but absolutely the power and the accuracy. Darren asked special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers last week, basically if NFL fans as a whole, it seems like they take advantage of accurate kickers because you go out there and fans expect every kick to be made. And when you have someone like Matt Prater, who is so consistent beyond 50 yards, it's incredible. Incredible. Very like underrated part of this Cardinals team is just how reliable Matt Prater is, especially from distance. Prater, four kicks, three field goals, and one PAT, and obviously the highlight, the 62-yarder, which matched his own franchise record. But the dominance and the durability of Matt Prater from 50 yards and beyond, 73 career makes. That's an NFL record. But even more impressive, that is 15 more than the players tied for seconds on the list. That's a big disparity. He's been doing it for so long and at such a high level. It's just, it's a great part to have on this Cardinals team. And it's not easy, I would imagine, as the decision-making process because Matt Prater, like most NFL players, are confident in their ability. And given it's indoors, right, so you're not dealing about any sort of weather conditions. But even though you see Matt Prater make kicks from that far in practice, in a game time, that that's a big decision be made. And so the fact that this coaching staff, Jeff Rogers, head coach Jonathan Gannon, trust Matt Prater and not just Prater, but everybody on special teams that takes a role in that process, big props to them. It's long snapper, it's the protection, it's the holder, and then obviously the kick as well. But yeah, congratulations to Matt Prater. Again, the Cardinals did not have a player of the week at all last season. So this is kind of a big deal here in week three I for the Cardinals. I didn't thought about that, yeah, but it, it makes was, sense when you think about the that, season, yeah, but it wow. It's not a great season. By the way, one other note about the win on Sunday, because I found a, another benefit when you beat the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, gosh. Because, one, locally we're going to talk about it. Nationally, the Cardinals did get their flowers for the win. Although it changed on Tuesday because what does the nation want to talk about? Well, what's wrong with the Cowboys? But when they talk about what's wrong with the Cowboys when they lose, what do they show? Well, they show highlights of the previous game. And this week, it's all of the Cardinal highlights against the Cowboys. So there are more eyeballs now on the Cardinals because I do think nationally, people are starting to take notice. Peter King, Albert Breer, they wrote about it. Pat McAfee's talking about it on his show. Good Morning Football, talking about it on the NFL Network. So... Not a lot of expectations for this team going into the season, but you play well and are competitive in the first two weeks. You go out and surprise everyone, not themselves, but surprise everyone with a win over the Cowboys. Now you've got people's attentions. Well, and it's not really a fluke if you're really following the Cardinals because week one and week two, the issues were second half, really fourth quarter struggles, but the Cardinals had been playing well enough through two weeks. I think it was mostly issues that the Cardinals were putting themselves in, um, which is a little expected when you've got 
a new staff, even though you have an off season and whatnot, like this is the real deal now, right? It's going to take time for everybody to kind of get used to things. You have a new quarterback being brought in. Of course, you're going to have some wrinkles to work through. So I think now that the Cardinals had such a dominating win, it wasn't like it was necessarily a close game and it was going back and forth, Cardinals, Cowboys, like the Cardinals came out and they stomped on the Cowboys right from the get go. And I I think that's a good thing to show that, okay, this Cardinals team that everybody said was going to tank and everybody said was in a rebuilding year. Okay, maybe it's not a rebuild. Sure, you can say transition, but you can't claim that the Cardinals are trying to tank when you see the effort and the passion and the force in which they are playing with and how that is coming out now on the scoreboard. Now, of course, people are going to want to know, was Sunday a one-off? Can they do it again? Now, it's going to be an even greater challenge with the 49ers, one of three undefeated teams left in the NFL on the road, although the Cardinals have played well in Santa Clara historically. But this is, again, another challenge coming up on Sunday, October 1st. 1.25 is the kickoff. 8.30 a.m. pregame coverage begins on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. Although I'll say this, these first four games, Commanders, Giants, Cowboys, 49ers, all four teams that Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rollis studied, prepared for, played against last season. So there is some familiarity with these first four games to where, or four, first four opponents to where, okay, how much, and Rollis talked about this a little bit on Tuesday, how much carryover, not talent, but what they see on film to where, okay, maybe we can exploit this. Perhaps this will work good against them doing that. And then you see with this Cardinals talent whether or not you can use some of what you did a year ago to now. None of those teams have a new head coach. So even though it's different personnel, right, for the opponent, you still have an idea of what the coaching staff likes to do. And even though now the coaching staff, right, Nick Rollis, Jonathan Gannon, any sort of coach that faced these teams last year, they have different personnel, obviously, with the Cardinals. But again, you're right. You have an idea of, of what it takes, and then you look and you see, okay, who do we have on our side that can help execute what it's going to take to break down these opponents? Sure, right, things change right year to year. The 49ers have now had an entire offseason to work with Brock Purdy, so things might look a little different. But I would imagine that you have a good idea of tendencies because a lot of these teams have so much of the same players, the same core, that you hope you see that same performance carry over now to the 49ers. Might be a little bit hard to judge the NFC Championship game because Brock Purdy got hurt so early in that contest. But again, your point about tendencies, what do coaches like to do? And then can they do it with the personnel that they have? And you look at this 49ers offense, which in the words of Gannon, quote, obviously the scheme is probably the best in the world. End quote. Maybe a little bit coach speak, build up the opponent. Not that they need any more building up than they already are at 3-0 and and maybe one of the better teams in the league, if not the best team. But that is a scary good offense when you look at your playmakers, even the offensive line with Trent Williams anchoring that unit on the left side. But whether it's the quarterback, the running back, the wide receivers, the tight end, It is a daunting task for not only the team but the coaches as well to figure out you're not going to stop them, but how do you slow them down to give your offense 
an opportunity to perhaps put some points on the board and maybe not make it a high-scoring game and keep the 49ers for the first time all season under 30 points. Not to take away from the other teams in the league, I don't know that you face any other offense that has a player in their respective position that you could argue is one of the top in their positions. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Trent Williams. They have so many options. And it seems like they are just so cohesive and they can do so many different things. And that's not an easy offense you have to defend. And on the other side of the ball, their defense is the only team in the league that hasn't allowed for a passing play of 20 or more yards. Defensive tackle, uh, Hargrave, why am I now? Javon Hargrave. Javon Hargrave alone, thank you, has 18 quarterback pressures through three weeks. It's almost like impossible when you look at this team top down on every side of the ball to say, okay, this is the weak spot that we can try and take advantage of. You could say that to a certain extent from the Cowboys, really on their defense, right? Especially before Trayvon Diggs, their cornerback, was out for the year with an ACL injury. But truly, when you look at this 49ers team, it is hard to spot the weak spot. Hargrave, a former Eagle, so this Cardinals coaching staff, at least Gannon and Rollis, familiar with what he's capable of doing. Signed with the 49ers, four years, $84 million free agent deal in the offseason. But looking at this 49ers offense, and again, next-gen stats, something that we get in our mailbox each and every Wednesday. The offense, the number one pre-snap motion offense in the league. That means some kind of shift, some kind of receiver going in motion. They do it. Almost 83% of the snaps, there is eye candy, making it real difficult for defenses to figure out what you're trying to do. Former Cardinal, former colleague Bertram Berry, who participated, worked here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network for a number of years, always talked about when you talk about a defense, your eyes. Where are your eyes looking? What are they telling you? And do you get distracted by all that motion? that the 49ers like to do, whether, again, it's a running back, tight end, wide receiver, but almost 83% of the snaps have some kind of movement before the ball is snapped by the center. But, you know, we saw a little more of that with Rondell Moore against the Cowboys, and there were some successful ensuing plays. So I wonder now if we're going to see a little bit more motion from the Cardinals' standpoint. But you're right. This defense is going to have to be on their A game. And – I actually asked Jonathan Gannon about Kaiser White calling the defense at his Wednesday press conference because I don't know if you've noted this, but it seems like the defense is not scrambling to get set. Like the calls seem like they're getting in. Kaiser White is distributing that call. He is making adjustments that need to be made. It seems like everybody is in their place. And that's something that Gannon said is very important to him is when the offense breaks the huddle, he wants their defense all 11 players to already have eyes and be looking and seeing what they need to adjust. That's going to be really important against an offense like the 49ers. Before he got hurt, Buda Baker was in his locker during open media availability, and Paul Calvisi and I were just chatting with Buda about how things have gone early on in the season, and he talked about that specifically with Kaiser White having that green dot, the play calls from the sideline getting in so early to where – the defense is set. They're not scrambling. They're not thinking, wondering, what am I supposed to do because that's the call that I just got. 
they have the call with plenty of time on the play clock before the offense knows what they're perhaps going to do after looking at what the defense has set. So there's not confusion. There's no need for a timeout on defense because all of a sudden something happened that, wait a second, what am I supposed to do here? Or what are we supposed to do here? So I do think it's one of those underrated situations so far in the season. Again, three games, early sample size. But the value of having a Kaiser White new to the team but not new to the defense and why that offseason signing was so important. And on the other side of the ball, I don't want to keep doing comparing coaching staffs, right? Because now we're we're far enough into the Gannon era that this is what we should be talking about. But I do think it's important that you look at that specific of getting you know set and ready to go on offense because how many times last year did this team have to burn a timeout because the call wasn't in or somebody wasn't set? I don't know the number, but I know it was more than one, and that means it's one too many. It was a lot, and a lot of it was captured by TV cameras, yes. quarterback and head coach, not seeing eye to eye, and it's a bad look. Yes, it's you don't want to use your timeouts in those situations. Heck, Gannon even talked about it earlier on Wednesday that you want to save those timeouts for end of half, end of game, to the point where sometimes if that play clock is going down, we'll give up the five yards in the first quarter, in the third quarter, depending on where they are within the field position because you don't want to burn one of your three that you have each half. I just think those subtle things, and that's not me trying to knock previous coaches, but I think those subtle things are part of the reason we feel like we are seeing such a difference in how this team is operating, not just through the week, but also on game day. Well-prepared team starts with the coaching staff, giving the assignment to the players. Nick Rollis on Tuesday asked how long he gave himself time to celebrate that first win. He said, yeah, got in the car. By the time I got home, I was ready to move on, which you think about it and you're like, how? But as we've talked about now, Jonathan Gannon didn't savor that win much, if at all. There was some smiles, some handshakes on the sideline, but once that water was dumped over him by Kaiser White, I think that basically cleansed him of the win and he was already looking forward to the San Francisco game. I mean, from what we know about Jonathan Gannon's personality, it doesn't really surprise me. I would imagine that part of the reason from these first-time, not just Jonathan Gannon as a head coach, but first-time coordinators, a lot of this coaching staff first-time, they have a role in the NFL. The expectation is to win. So while it is exciting and a personal victory, of getting that first win and and having some sense of self-validation that the work that has been done in the meeting rooms, on the field, since the moment they got here eight, nine months ago, you have that validation of, okay, we've seen that the work we're doing does pay off. But at the same time, I would understand your expectation is to win. So you don't want to make a whole thing about getting your first win and now being one and two. I, I understand that of... Okay, you know what? Let's let's stay composed. Maybe when you get to your house and you're with your family, right? You celebrate. I did love seeing though the excitement and the passion and the energy of General Manager Monty Austin for <laughs> getting his first win after putting this team, helping put this staff together. He was on the ramp, the tunnel, right off the field, right in front of the locker room, and he was dapping up and hugging every single person that walked by him. Safety cave on Wallace didn't really see what was happening and walked past him. And Austin Fort turned around and grabbed Wallace to celebrate with him to make sure he didn't miss anybody. It was 
so exciting and so heartwarming to see like okay like this is this is a great moment to that point there is a great photo gallery up on acardinals.com that our photographer caitlin epps put up that she does each and every week but this particular photo gallery does have pictures inside the locker room yes gm monty austin fort yes head coach jonathan gannon both received game balls from owner michael bidwell so i think that has special meaning as well now again it's moving forward and there's going to be bumps along the way but are you learning from past mistakes and not repeating those same mistakes whether that's the coaching staff or the players and in particular there were a lot of eyeballs on this previous game on marco wilson and he got picked on against the Giants a lot but he responded and played much better against the Cowboys than he did against the Giants then of course it was the reverse because Keetrell Clark got picked on by the Cowboys after a good game against the Giants but I do think that's going to happen especially playing that position the cornerback position and playing as many snaps as both of those guys do this team Danny is only playing two corners Antonio Hamilton is not seeing barely seen any time on the football field defensively. Christian Matthew, I still don't think, has played a defensive snap. So you're running out there, two cornerbacks, and the challenge this week is, okay, well, what do you do when you have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and don't forget about the tight end, George Kittle, is that Jalen Thompson working against Kittle? Typically, that would be Buda Baker. But the challenge this week is there's not just one pass catcher, there are multiple pass catchers, and don't forget about Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield. Yeah, there, there's a long list of players that this Cardinals defense is going to have to keep their eye on. I did like the way this Cardinals secondary shut down the Cowboys' number one receiver in CeeDee Lamb. Lamb entered Sunday's game accounting for more than half the Cardinals' 400 receiving yards, walked away Sunday with 53. Now, there were some big plays to Michael Gallup, Brandon Cooks, right, but the fact is the secondary shut down their opponent's number one receiver. That's what you want to ask for. That's what you want to see week after week. I do like that we saw improvement from Marco Wilson. I think now that he's been in the league for a few years, that's important to see the mental strength and being able to bounce back. And I think we've seen that from the rookie Keetrell Clark. And that's what we've heard from Gannon, what we've heard from Rawless of cornerback is a position where you can have 50 plays Right? You can you can go have 50 passes thrown your way, and you can defend 48 of them. But those two are the two that can be seen around the country, that everybody's going to be talking about. You have to have the mind of a goldfish. One play at a time, and then you move on from the previous play and you focus on what's ahead. I think we've seen that resiliency from Clark, which is impressive early on, three, great, three games in your career, and, and we're already taking note on that somebody who really prepares well for the game and seems like he is strong enough mentally as well to handle what comes with that position and a day three draft pick someone that you hope has a role maybe a reserve role not a starting role darn near number one cornerback pushing marco wilson to be cb1 on this defense at least until we see what garrett williams can do because right now he remains on the NFI list. One more game left, October 2nd. Danny, you and I were talking about it at practice earlier on Wednesday. Everyone is pointing to Kyler Murray being activated on Monday. 
whether he is or not, who knows. But there are other players that this team could activate. My Jay Sanders, but Garrett Williams, how close is he to being able to practice and be available on Sundays? It's a great question. It's similar to B.J. Ojolari because Ojolari didn't have an offseason, which is very important for a rookie. And so we've talked with side linebackers coach Rob Rodriguez that Ojolari is still needing some time. The things he's going through right now, all the other players were getting to experience and learn with those reps from preseason and training camp that he was recovering from an injury, so he didn't get that. I would expect to see the same when Garrett Williams returns from his ACL injury. He didn't have an offseason. He hasn't had any reps, and he's a rookie. So even if he does get activated Monday, I don't know what a realistic timeline is for how many weeks Garrett Williams is going to need to practice. You have, I believe, three weeks to sign him to the active roster and you have to write and make some spots and, and have him active on game day. Even still, right, if you wait to the last minute and you wait those three weeks, how many reps is Williams going to be able to get early on in the season? I think maybe late in the season it could be realistic if Williams is coming off the NFI list as early as he can. I think later in the season would be more realistic to kind of see what we will see in the future from Williams. So that'll be interesting of, will this coaching staff stay with two cornerbacks? Are you going to start to rotate a little more? Are we going to see cornerbacks maybe start to travel? Are they going to stay on the same side? When Garrett Williams comes back, and however long it's going to take him to fully recover enough to really start playing active snaps in a game, it'll be interesting to see how that affects that room. You drafted him for a reason in the third round. You drafted him knowing that he was not going to be available in all likelihood, although I remember on draft night he did mention that he hoped to be cleared, medically cleared, in July. He was not, or at least not able to do anything on the football field. And I think, again, with a draft pick, a day two selection, it's the long-term play versus the short-term play, making sure Williams is ready for a long career, not just week one of this season. Obviously, he was not. Though he is anxious, had a chance to chat with him a little bit earlier on Wednesday, introduced myself to him. Of course, the Syracuse connection, I had to mention that I was, I dated myself, I'm class of 96, he was born in 2001. (laughs) But besides the point, I had to make sure that, you know, we welcomed him. The Orange alums welcomed him here with the Arizona Cardinals. But you could just tell that he is ready now. Ready in what sense, to your point, Danny? Yeah, you can get activated, start practicing, but if he gets activated next week, three practices and a walkthrough, is that enough time to play? I I don't think so, and that goes with Kyler Murray as well and my Jay Sanders. I just don't think you're going to see those players get activated and then be available within a week. I just I don't think that's a real – I agree. I don't think that's a realistic expectation, especially with a rookie – and Garrett Williams. I, it's one thing to rehab and have his body get sore and, and put his body through what he can. He's not allowed to participate in any sort of practice. He's not allowed to like touch a football out at practice like when the other team is practicing. So he has not been able to do anything. So when he starts practicing and putting his body through that and having to be sore in a way that he probably hasn't been in a long time, making sure that what he's been learning by watching film, in meeting rooms, how quickly can he put that together out on the field? There's still going to be so much this coaching staff is going to have to see from Garrett Williams before you feel confident in putting him out there on a game day. 
Also from practice, Josh Woods working out on the side, which is good whether or not he's available this week. He's missed two games now with an ankle injury. Did not see Chris Barnes. Oh, excuse me. Chris Barnes was at practice. Uh, Let me correct myself. He was participating despite hurting his hand in the game. So That hand was wrapped. It was. It was not a huge club, but just enough. Right, his fingers were out. Yeah. But that injury allowed Ezekiel... Turner to play a little bit more defense, especially late in the game, get some extra snaps. But yeah, that that defense and knock on wood, we aren't talking about this offensively the, at all this season. But that defense continues to suffer an injury at least one a game, sometimes two, and it's always that next man up. Rollis likes the depth they have, but that depth is getting tested so far this season, and we're only three games in. The good news is it seems like we can expect outside linebacker Zayvon Collins to play this week. He left the game early with an eye injury, so he has been pract- He was out practicing Wednesday. I think he'll wear a visor even on game day just to protect his eye. And for people who, because I used to think this of like an eye injury, like you get poked in the eye like, okay, yeah, I'm sure that hurts. But I remember when I was with the Cowboys one year, and I can't for the life of me remember which D lineman it was. But there was a D lineman who had the same injury. He got poked in the eye during a game. And for the better part of the next week, whenever we were in the locker room for open media, he was wearing sunglasses. So near the end of the week, there were a few of us and we were talking about it. He was like, do you guys want to see it? And he took off his glasses. And even after a week, I mean, his eye was, no offense, disgusting. Like the colors, the bruising, like his eye was still red. It looked so painful. So... If anybody's thinking, like, Zayvon left because he got poked in the eye and didn't come back, I mean, there's so much going on and your hand's getting shoved in your face, right? Like, that hurts. So it is very good news that as early as Wednesday, Zayvon Collins was back on the practice field, didn't seem limited to any way. Well, all you have to do out there is just put one hand over an eye and then walk around and go about your day with one eye covered, and then you come back and talk to us here on Cardinals Cover 2 <laughs> on just how easy your day was because it's not you lose one eye. Yeah, that kind of loses not only depth perception, but being able to see out of the corner of your eye whatever you're doing that particular day. So, yeah, hopefully Zaven is back this week, and it's something that he can play through as that eye gets better. One other practice note, and it was post-practice. Wednesday means... Sideline exchange. This week's guest is offensive lineman Paris Johnson Jr. It's a big two-week stretch for Mr. Johnson. Last week was Micah Parsons. This week it's Nick Bosa. I know. Back-to-back difficult tasks, but they held their own against Parsons. Essentially, made him a non-factor. So Paris is always fun. It's always a fun to get to talk to him. I felt so small, <laughs> so small standing next to him. Um, but that interview will be up Thursday on website, official YouTube channel, Twitter, all the good stuff. And for those that have been watching these sideline exchanges so far this season, that it's not a standing interview anymore. Otherwise, I would suggest the stool, the Paul Cov- the Paul Calvisi stool. The box to stand on? The box, on. yeah. But now it's a walk and talk, which you, unless you're wearing your heels I know, or I've something. I've got to wear or like whatever, platforms yeah. or something. Get like stilts or something to walk next to some of these players or just have it shot a different way to make you seem taller <laughs> which would maybe make him seem even more taller right? so probably you don't want to do that no 
No, but they're fun. Yeah, so check that out Thursday. I appreciate that. That will be up on azcardinals.com, the Cardinals official YouTube channel, all social channels, and of course, at Danny Sarek as well. That's right. Is it at Danny Sarek or underscore Sarek? I can't remember. It's just at Danny Sarek. At Danny Sarek, okay. By the way, happy anniversary. Thanks. It's my two-year anniversary today, this Wednesday. It's crazy. It's flown by. Yeah, and it's really only felt like two weeks. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I, it's just, it. the season goes by so fast, and it's my second year, but really my third season, because I was here for most of 2021, but it's been great. Still having a blast out here. The off-seasons have been a little bit longer than we all want yes. because of as much news, both on and, and not, off the not field. Not having yeah. a longer season. Yeah. yeah. Turn things around. And it starts with a win against the Cowboys. What a great win. I mean, if you're going to make a statement win for your first win as a team, as a head coach, the quarterback Josh Dobbs' first career win, I mean, what a team, what a game to get that win. You spoke, in, spoke it into existence, the win. You spoke Matt Prater into existence, getting the <gasps> player of the week honor. So what's Ooh. next? What, what can we have you say speak into existence for this week do i want to do offense or defense you have to help me out should i do offense or defense you can do whatever you want because again the challenge is a big one regardless of what side of the ball you know what let's let's predict let's manifest a pick six okay let's manifest a pick six that's what we're going to do all right cardinals plus one on the turnover margin each of the first three games you want to call out a player Ooh, this is like when you're playing pool and you have to call the pocket for the eight ball. I am not good at pool. Let's give a pick six. Well, Kaiser Whitetown interception, Jalen Thompson. Should we give uh, rookie Keytrail Clark? Should we say this is his week? Okay, let's give I like it, it. Let's give it to Keytrail Clark. Pick six. Brock, Put it out in the universe. Brock Purdy has not thrown an interception, let alone a pick six yet this season so all right so he's due yes which is what we said pregame about Dak that's right he was due that's right so we'll see what happens again Sunday October 1st 125 Danny will be at Levi Stadium I'll just be in studio watching and uh, enjoying everything from the comfort of a you gotta give me some recommendations for your hometown Darren's been there a while Calvisi knows what's going on yeah but I trust your recommendations if you gotta gotta get time to go into the city or no they've got the itinerary yet no okay. but we'll probably get in around dinner time saturday okay i'll have to think about it yeah get back to me you okay. know where i sit <laughs> i do i come down often say hello you do and i love it okay got that make sure you get that cody for this week's <laughs> for this week's pregame show we manifest things here on Cardinals Cover 2. And on that note, we'll put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro, our associate producer, Cody Fincher. For Danny Sarek, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.